Hello, and welcome to the Sprocket Podcast. I'm Joan Pettit, hosting solo today and broadcasting from Portland, Oregon. We cover bicycling, trains, and transit, infrastructure, adventures, and today we are talking with two lovely people, my dear friends, Carrie and Matthew, because we are all celebrating that most joyous day, New Bike Day. We are going to talk about our new bikes, which are all pretty different from one another, and why we got them and how it's going. So welcome, Carrie and Matthew. Happy new bike day. Hooray. Hey. <laughs> um, I think we're all sort of celebrating happy new bike month, but. Uh, <laughs> happy new um, bike year. Yay. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you each to introduce yourself briefly and tell us what your new bike is, and then we will go back and dive in a little deeper. So Matthew, do you want to go first? Yeah, I just finished building up a Soma Wolverine as a adventure bike packing monster cross, uh, yeah, touring bike. All right, and Carrie? I am Carrie and I just purchased a Breezer Doppler, which is also in the adventure bike category. But it is, uh, it's going to be my do everything bike. Yes. So my commute slash ride around town slash hopefully do some adventuring. And I bought a Blue Jay e-bike. So it's a pretty different kind of bike. And I only got it just a few days ago. So I haven't even been riding on it all that much, but I'm very excited about it, which is why I was like, let's talk about our new bikes. Matthew, do you want to, I mean, we are all folks who have had bikes <laughs> and been bike people for a long time. This is not like first new, but this is definitely an N plus one kind of scenario for each of us. Matthew, can you just talk a little bit about the bikes you already had and how this one fits in and basically why you decided on this bike and building it up and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I, I guess I was down to my last bike. I only had one bike that I could ride this last winter. I've got a old cyclocross frame in the closet that I'm holding onto for sentimental reasons, but not rideable. And I got myself this uh, bike trainer that you put your bike on uh, called a Wahoo Kicker Snap. And it's been great. It's been really nice to spend more time on my bike, even if it's indoors. And now that it's finally starting to stop raining, I felt bad that my bike was indoors all the time. But once I started taking it on and off the trainer, I knew that I had a good excuse to build another bike. So that's the, the, the origin story of like why I wanted another bike. And I think I probably picked this bike because I like the color of the frame. That's always something that's tough. Like uh, the seasonal colors are not always my favorite colors, but when I find a hot blue frame set from a manufacturer I like, sometimes that's all it takes to, to go down that path. I feel like interjecting here that the color is always seen as being a trivial thing, but I think it isn't. I think it does matter. It really, yeah. I mean, what was it like Henry Ford said you could have a Model T in any color as long as that color is black or something like that. Yes. I feel like there are some bike frame manufacturers, certainly, that um, sometimes take that approach. 
And sometimes they have like, they hit it out of the park with like a really awesome color. And sometimes it's just like, ah, maybe I'll wait a couple of years and not get that model until, until it comes out in a, in a less green color. Yeah, I can interject here and say, I have probably talked to both of you about this, how frustrated I am that bikes aimed at women. Like it feels like they used to be pink and now they're turquoise. And those are both lovely colors, but also I like other colors and it just, or not just bikes, but like the stuff in bike world. And the other part is like, if I'm going to get, especially if I'm going to get a new bike, I want to love it. If I'm going to spend a lot of money on something, I want to think it's like cute or sporty or zippy or whatever I want that bike to be. So that, that will be part of my story as well. And I agree completely. Yeah. Aesthetics were a big part of what I was looking for. So, okay. Back to, back to Matthew's adventure bike. <laughs> now that we've gotten, now that we've all established that color is important. <laughs> so I got a blue bike. That's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much all you need to know, right? Uh, yeah. But you got I mean, the frame. You didn't buy, you bought the frame, right? Not an, not a built up bike, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was lucky in college. I got the opportunity to work at some bike co-ops. And so I sort of learned how to build bikes and that's pretty much the approach I've taken to just about every bike I've got in the last, I don't know, 15 years, I guess. So it started with the frame and the color and I sort of built a, uh, like an aesthetic idea around that. And I, I used to have a touring bike that was unfortunately stolen many years ago. Sad. So I wanted something that would be a little bit more all-terrain. And I've never built a bike with tubeless compatible rims. I'd never built a bike with disc brakes. So this was kind of, I've never built a bike with some of the new like 11 speed drivetrains. So this was kind of like a learning opportunity for me also to work with some new kinds of components and a new, yeah, new kind of bike. So one thing that I have thought, cause I, a few years ago I bought a black sur surly, I think <laughs> cross frame. Is that what it is? Maybe the, is it the double checks? I don't double, double cross, cross, I don't, check. cross check. Yeah. Yeah. That That's the surly double check. I think is the, or double cross, I think is the Soma. I don't know what it was, but I was, I had a bike stolen, a cross bike stolen. And I was gonna, I was thinking about building up another one. And then I just got so overwhelmed by all that I would have to figure out that I ended up selling it and then buying a bike. I don't know if now, cause that was like, I don't know, eight years ago. I don't know if now I could have more fun building something up, but like all the choices you have to make, right? Like if you're going to, that can be really fun for some folks and really overwhelming. And I know Matthew, you've spent a lot of time thinking about color combinations and things like that. Right. And so is that fun or I mean, it's like, type, it's like type two fun, Yeah, <laughs> like getting into like the spreadsheets and the lists and, you know, there's a, there, there's still parts shortages depending on what it is you're looking for. I was really lucky. I was able to get everything I needed relatively easily. So I kind of, kind of dodged the, the parts shortage bullet, but yeah, I, I think it's fun. It feels like kind of a creative process. I get excited about like, oh, I'm going to like, you know, build, you know, I'm going to put these rims with these hubs and I'm going to take the frame color and get like 
a contrasting color for cable housing and bottle cages. And this bike was sort of a, Soma calls the Wolverine monster cross bike. So I thought, I, I saw a, a build write-up on the Radivist where someone had built up the same frame, I think somewhere in central California. And that was kind of an inspiration for me. So I sort of themed the, the bike around New Mexico where I was raised and grew up. So the monster cross bike became a Gila monster cross bike. And I started putting little, little bits of like New Mexico um, uh, charm or what do they call it in office space? Flare. I got little bits of New Mexico themed flare. flare. And you're from New Mexico, right? So right, that's home. right. And the Gila is a place where I think there's like a, a tour of the Gila bike race. It's a pretty high altitude area. So it's often used as like training grounds for road racing. But I would go backpacking in the Gila as a Boy Scout. So I have some like fond associations with that. So the idea was to create a bike packing bike sort of it was fun to customize it. I went back and looked at like some of my Boy Scout merit badges to get the patches to put on my bike bags. It's, so yeah, I mean, it's fun. You, you, you get this idea about what this, what this is vehicle for adventure is going to mean to you. And then you begin to make it your own and then it snowballs into something that takes months and then eventually it's new bike day. You get to go christen the bike. I took it on a, a local ride with a bunch of people uh, who did a, a small gravel ride in town. So, Yeah, you went on that Pedalpalooza gravel ride, right? And yeah. Armando was there Armando, and some other folks. Yeah. And yeah, I just want to say that putting your Boy Scout badges on your bags is, I don't, I, that's adorable. <laughs> and I, I mean some, that. I got some good ones. That's such a good a, idea. That is so charming. Atomic, there's an Atomic Energy Mare badge. And you have it. Yeah. 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 And it's on your bag or no, yeah. not yet. It doesn't it come up in the, it doesn't come up in the back country much, but when it does, you, you need to know something about yeah. your physics. That's very practical. Thanks. You know, thanks, thanks dad. <laughs> Particularly being from New Mexico. I would think right. that actually that's very relevant. You never know. You never know. Well, <laughs> that's good. That's a good use. I like that. That's a really fun idea. Um, okay. Well, um, and then you're going to use it, you're going on your first bikepacking trip on it in just a few days here, right? Yeah, so. my, a buddy of mine, we're going to head out to LL Stubb Stewart. It's a state park here. And there's a, uh, I guess it's sort of a repurposed railway into a multi-use path, the banks Vernonia Trail, which is just like a really pleasant place to bike. Anytime you can be off-road in nature, it's pretty great. So that'll be a, uh, just a quick overnighter, but really looking forward to, to shaking everything down. All right. That sounds great. Thank you. All right, Carrie, you want to tell us your, your bike, bike origin story? <laughs> Gosh, I moved to Portland with my carbon fiber road bike that I have been racing on. And it became quickly apparent that I, while I love that bike, it was not great for riding around town. So I purchased a uh, used uh, cross bike, steel frame cross bike, and I love I love the frame. I, 
I really, I'd never ridden steel before and um, gosh, for city riding, it was spectacular. But that bike, I've had it for nine years, was always slightly too big. And I did a bunch of mods around to make it workable, but it was still always just slightly too big. <clears throat> And one of the things I was really thinking of doing on the bike was do, doing something like some sweat back handlebars because also I see all the cool people around on their school um, town slash adventure bikes with their sweat back handlebars, but they're still sporty bikes. They're not like upright. And that, that really appealed to me. Well, I was just riding along and my derailleur had a like big disaster happened. And so I went to the bike shop see if see about getting it fixed and while I was there they're like have you seen these new these really nice new uh adventure bikes and yeah I walked out with a new bike instead of fixing the old bike <laughs> I now have a really nice cross frame in my garage so anyway the the new bike fits me better it's the right size and the but I I really like that it's still breezer this frame is still based on a road geometry, so you're still a bit leaning over. For, that's my technical term, even though it has the swept, swept back handlebars and and wider tires and and all of that that go with more. Well, let's, let's call it adventure bike adventuring. Um, so far, I really like it. It corners so well, and and again, it just fits me quite well. So I. Um, pleased and you've had it now for a month maybe not even uh, quite that long like three weeks we definitely had some bike purchase enabling going back and forth yes. I think I was pretty much like yeah a busted derailleur means you need a new bike right like that's <laughs> yeah the I mean it's it's true once you start looking at components I mean the pricing out what it would take to rebuild the cross bike with to get the bike that I wanted was going to be about half as much as just buying the new bike. So, you know, it was kind of an easy decision in some ways. So I, I'm, and I really love that it was a steel frame. I just, I haven't been shopping that much, but to, I didn't realize that there were lightweight, good steel frames on this type of geometry of a bike out there. That wasn't a custom build, actually. I I have the steel frame thing too. And I don't know. I mean, maybe our listeners can write in. I mean, sometimes I'm like, is this an affectation? But no, it actually is a different thing to be riding on a... I mean, it's definitely like a look. There's an aesthetic to it. And it's a... But yeah, it actually is a, a different... A different riding experience too. If they do feel different, and I I don't think that there's a right or a wrong about the frames. I love my I loved my carbon bike also. It, but they just they're they feel different. And and okay, you know we're talking about bikes. I also have an e-bike, and that's an aluminum frame. But they're just they're really different. And you've been riding it a bunch, right? I have. It's. It's my go-to unless I have to haul something, then then that's what the e-bikes for. But I I did I was 
supposed to go on a bike packing trip. So I load up the bike, the bike within two days of buying it and put everything on there and headed on out. It was, it handled great. I loved it. I didn't make it there, but that was my legs and my lungs, not the bike. So, so I learned some stuff there about my fitness level, but yeah, I've been riding the heck out of it. It's, it's really nice. Yeah. So you're, so you're, you're feeling still pretty happy with your yeah. purchase. Yeah. I need a front rack because of course it's not perfect. It's not totally there. And it's a really great color. It's also blue, but it's very, very, very dark blue and kind of sparkly in the sunlight. It's pretty, pretty awesome. These are all very pretty bikes. These are all very pretty bikes. I have seen them all. And we have pictures that we are going to be including with the, our own or with a post for this. And then we'll put them on our social media so that other people can also enjoy looking at our pretty bikes. <laughs> Okay. Well, I will talk a little bit about my bike since it's a little bit different. So on regular listeners of the show will know that I have been saying, like, I've almost thought I should stop saying that I'm going to get an e-bike at some point, <laughs> but talking to folks, I have become over the past, I don't know, year and a half, couple of years, just more and more aware of how much e-bikes can do. And there have been a few Things in particular where, like, for example, if I were to go visit either of you where you live from my house, I could ride my bike, but I'm much more likely to get in the car because it's far enough, you know, and there have been a couple of times when I thought, you know, I bet if I had an e-bike, I would actually be getting on my bike now. And there's a few different kinds of things like that that I have in my life, not my commute to work, but just some longer things. And I haven't, and I, I starting like more than a year ago, I was starting to just learn a little bit about, and I was going to the Clever Cycles shop website to look at things that they had. And then we had Jenna Phillips goes by Jenna bikes on last year talking about her e-bike. And so I've been sort of admiring one from afar, but never even rode it. And then I had this experience a few weeks ago where, as you both know, and maybe our listeners, if they keep up with any of my social media might know, last month, my friend Kimber had a, a foot injury and couldn't ride her bike for a while and was missing out on some pedal palooza rides. And so as sort of a fun thing to do, I said to her, hey, what if I rounded up like a cargo bike and pushed you around on it for a while, having no idea that those are actually kind of difficult bikes to ride. And then Sam Balto, who has been on the podcast and who is lovely and generous, offered to lend me his Urban Arrow, which is like box bike or whatever. Like, is it a box feats? Is that what they call it? It's an electric, it's an e-bike with a big thing in the front that he pushes around his kids in or whatever. And so I took Bike Town over borrowed that, picked up Kimber and the Urban Arrow is fantastic. It's super upright. Like it is even maybe even more than the bike town. You're just like sitting up straight on that bike. And it was so easy. I mean, it wasn't easy to ride. It was confusing to figure out. I mean, it was uh, like, I almost dumped Kimber out a few times and she was sort of terrified when she wasn't laughing. And it was just this delightful thing of riding all around town and it was so zippy and fun, but it's really easy to ride in that position. And between that and bike town, when I got back on my mixed right? Because the two bikes that I have right now are my like old steel Mixedy with sort of upright bars. That's my commuter and my bar bike. And then I have a lighter bike that I, Cannondale, that I bought as a cyclocross bike, but it fit me better than my road bike. So then I got 
new wheels and slicks. But when I got back on my mixty after riding the Urban Arrow in Bike Town, it just felt so slow. I actually think like there was something probably, I think the fender was hitting something, but it felt so slow and I felt so much more bent over than I had ever realized too. So then I was like, anyway, and I started thinking, maybe I should get a new mixty. Maybe I should do this or that. And I don't know. There were just a couple of things. Everybody, I don't know. It was just in the air. And I was like, I'm just going to go to Clever Cycles and I'm going to try this Blue Jay and just see. And they have it in this lovely blue. And the thing that I love about this bike is that it's got this really nice aesthetic to it. It's got this like sort of, uh, I don't even know what you call the like old fashioned bike aesthetic, right? And it's pretty and I wanted a pretty bike and then I rode it and it's zippy and fun. And it probably decide, I probably decided within about two minutes that I was actually going to buy it. I did ride another bike, a different bike by a different manufacturer, just to make sure to convince myself that it was the right call. So I got it just a few days ago and I've already ridden it maybe, I don't know, 20 miles or so, including up some hills where I'm so happy to be on an e-bike, but I used it. I, uh, I went to someplace where I probably would have driven if I didn't have an e-bike. Cause I didn't want to show up like super sweaty and stuff, but instead I took the bike and it's like so easy to just go like 20 miles an hour without thinking about it. And just without even using the full on the highest level of support. So a couple more things about it. It's According to the website, I don't know what all this stuff means. It's a class one e-bike. It is, it, it's an aluminum frame, but it does have a, it has a chain, but it's got disc brakes and it's got an internal hub. I don't even know all the ways to use these words properly. And it's got a nice rack and it's all on the rear. And then I got the extra front rack, which is super pretty. And I really like, and it seems really practical. So my only fear with this bike is that just now I did a quick errand in town and I took my mixty because I don't know, I'm not quite ready to lock up my brand new bike in public. And, um, man, I feel like I'm so hunched over now on my mixty, which until a month ago I loved. And so now I'm, I think this might be the, the death knell for, for me loving my bar bike quite so much, but it's been super fun to ride. It's really pretty. They also have it in other colors. It's heavy. It's like, I don't know, 50 pounds or something, but I need to bring it up and down just a few stairs and I can manage that just fine. It's a really great bike and I'm very excited to have it. So that's what I have. And they, there are other e-bikes that are more like for gravel or for road rides more like, you know, where you might go fast. This is definitely not that. This is definitely like a town style bike. And I don't know if I'm going to want, I mean, maybe if I was going to go on a like fitnessy road ride on my lighter cross slash road bike, I'd be happy to get on my, that bike. And it does feel light, which feels really good, but I don't know if I'm going to want to go back from that really upright riding posture. It feels really good to, to do that. Was the when you tried the other bike, the other manufacturer, was it also upright or was it different? I'm curious, or did it just fit differently? You know, it was a gazelle and it was also upright. And I think those are great bikes. And I think that like, 
if I had time to tweak where the handlebars were in the seat, it would have probably been fine. And maybe it just worked out that the Blue Jay was like pretty close to being in the right spot for me. It was also upright and it was also a nice bike. It also has like the lower, the lower sort of step over or step through. Exactly. Yeah. Step through, but it just has more of a, like, I don't know modern aesthetic. I mean, it's a pretty frame color. It's a nice, those seem like really great bikes and everything I've heard from folks is that they're great e-bikes. Um, but yeah, I was going for a little more, like basically it looks kind of like the more of a town bike aesthetic. Um, it's like the Nordic commuter chic. Yes. That's what I'm <laughs> going for. Yeah. It's like me pretend, pretending and maybe, maybe I can pretend I am surrounded by excellent infrastructure as I ride this sort of touch style bike. It's amazing though. I do feel a little bit bolder on it. I think I was talking to a friend and they were suggesting that maybe because you can maneuver a little more quickly, you can, you know, like I'm, if I'm like going up a hill or something, right. Like I'm not worried about I can just move a lot faster. So I'm not worried about like a car coming up on my tail because I can be going 15 or 20 miles an hour up a hill without huffing and puffing or whatever. The other thing that I wanted to mention, and this is really interesting, and I don't know if every place does this or whatever, but I was able to finance my bike basically for a year interest-free and, and through clever cycles or, and it's basically like a credit card. I basically like applied for a credit card through them. And as long as I pay it off within the year, I will have no interest. And if I don't pay it off in a year, they would be very happy and I will have a huge interest hit. But my intention is basically to take a few months to pay it off. So that's kind that's a nice thing too. And I don't know if that's the case for other bikes, but that seemed like a kind of a cool way because, you know, e-bikes can be a lot pricier than an equivalent looking bike that doesn't have a, a motor. So, or whatever it has. So those are our new bikes. I wanted to do say something about supply chain. I was pretty surprised when I went into the shop that they had a plethora of bikes to choose from. <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't been out in the world shopping for bikes in a, in a long time because I haven't needed, I've had bikes in my garage. And so that, I don't know, that also maybe tipped me over the edge into just purchasing something because they just, they had, they had a really kind of the perfect thing and a really good quality right there that I, I didn't have to wait for. And I, so I guess that I feel like that tide is changing, which is nice, really nice. Matt, you did mention having problems sourcing some things, but I just, I feel like in general. Yeah. And there weren't a lot of things. There are a few American manufacturers like White Industries and Chris King right now have like 12 to 14 week lead times. Mm. Um, and uh, there is a frame builder in New York called number 22 cycles that has like a 16 week lead time. And, you know, these are companies that are producing really high quality products made in America, generally with specific metal alloys, whether it's like titanium or steel or aluminum, they're, you know, they're taking a lot of pains to, to get specific materials for bearings or for frame tubing material. And so I think that for some smaller companies, you know, the bump can be a bit bigger than some of the big bike manufacturers that might be 
have a little bit more leverage in, in the supply chain. I also think like things that are more custom as opposed to things that are maybe more mass produced had, had more of a hiccup. But I mean, I'm hoping that it's not a problem for these companies. If they're constrained, at, at least there's a lot of demand and they're able to, to run their business in a way that like they know that they can sell their products and it becomes maybe a logistics headache for them, but not something that's going to you know, be a, a big problem for their business. I don't know. But maybe, I don't know, maybe bike financing is the new car financing and gas prices will, will, will double again and we'll see more and more people on the roads on bicycles and this parts shortage is just a prelude to the, the bike component boom. Well, there really has been a bike boom the past few years and e-bikes, I think, are out selling. I mean, we don't really call them e-cars, but essentially electric cars, e-bikes are, are selling. I mean, of course, right. They're a lot less expensive, but it, it is interesting with all the huge emphasis on electric vehicles that the most popular electric vehicle is a bike. And it's interesting too, about the supply chain. I was just asking Jenna, Jenna bikes, Jenna Phillips the other day, how she chose her e-bike. Cause she's had it a year now. And she said that basically last she wanted an upright bike and she had like one or two other things and she went to the store and there was one <laughs> available that met that criteria and she wrote it and it was fine. So she got it. And, um, there were lots of e-bikes at clever cycles and I don't know if there are specific things, but like for the bike I wanted, I think they had all the sizes and all the colors. And I think that there's the, yeah, the supply is starting to catch up to the demand. I was at Metropolis bikes the other day and my local bike shop and talking to them about, they said there's still some shortages for parts and that generally speaking bikes right now are maybe about a hundred dollars more than they were like before the pandemic, that that's roughly what they're looking at in terms of how much more things cost now. And I didn't find out what specifically they weren't able to get, but, but there were lots of bikes for sale in the shop too. I mean, so it's not like before when you couldn't when it was only like super high-end bikes that were available. Right. So, so that's good. There's been, um, oh, and then the other thing I wanted to mention and Carrie, you and I have talked about this, actually, Matthew, we probably have all three talked about this. We've had folks on uh, talking about this too, because a lot of folks do want to be able to carry stuff and pull stuff on their bikes. And the combination that I am really excited about is my burly flatbed trailer with the e-bike. Cause I think that that's going to mean, I don't have any, I haven't done that yet. I've used the trailer to pull pumpkins home from the pumpkin patch. <laughs> and I pulled like, when we went to the lads 500, I pulled like the pop-up tent and some chairs and things like that. But I, I haven't, and that was just on my mixty, but I'm excited on this because I haven't hooked it all up yet, but I think that there's going to be a lot of potential here for like, for example, if I wanted to go to a further away grocery store and be, and do a big run, it's not just my panniers, right. Or my panniers and a loaded basket or, or a backpacker or something like that. The other thing I wanted to say about my bike that I'm still getting used to, that's really funny is there's this really nice front rack but it doesn't attach the handlebars. It attaches to the frame, which is great because it's not unsteady then. Right. But 
when I turn the wheel, the basket doesn't move. And that is confusing for my brain. <laughs> so it's very funny when you're used to having like a basket attached to your handlebars that of course it moves. Right. And now my basket doesn't move. So I, I think that's actually better for carrying loads. Right. Because then it's, it's not necessarily great to have all that weight mm -hmm. on your handlebars, but. Do the handlebars clear the the rack or is there any possibility for interference there well the handlebars well they don't oh i but i'm guessing no the it moves with it it moves with it. it yeah yeah no it moves with it so but the wheel moves but the the wheel and the handlebars move but the the rack isn't moving right this is not that technical of a question <laughs> that i but i am unable I'm going to do a little video of turning the bike yeah. Yeah. and then everybody will be like, Oh, Joan. Yeah, of course we know that, but no, but it's just, <laughs> that's a good, that's a good three seconds. I, yes. I haven't actually thought it right. Cause all I have, I don't even think I've put anything in my front. <laughs> I, <laughs> I did put, you know, it's so funny. I was leaving yesterday and I have my Ortley pannier, which is, I mean, there are lots of really nice panniers, but that's a very popular one here locally. And it didn't even occur to me until I got, went to put it on my bike that it might not work on that rack. And then I was kind of like, of, of course this should work on this bike. But like, I, that's something that, for example, I should have thought about in advance to make sure. The other thing is when I was trying to charge the battery, I, I went up and downstairs looking at the manual and trying to figure out how to remove the battery, the charging battery so many times. And I finally had to watch a video and it wasn't that difficult once I knew the right way to do it. But like, I just want to say to people, just have them remove the battery in the shop and then put it back on just so you don't feel totally absurd in your house, trying to figure out how to remove the battery from your bike. That's a good thing to have them show you. I, I'm super impressed with my bike because I feel like it can do a couple things in that I can go for longer rides with it still like so it's I no longer have a bike in my stable with drop bars which is a big deal for me and I'm I'm still I'm still working through that um but I can I mean I rode it 50 miles like so it's not like you know you don't have to have drop bars to go a long ways but I can also put a lot of stuff on it if I want to and that and that's pretty exciting for me because I've always, I feel like I've had a lot more specialized bikes prior to this one. I've had my road, my go fast road bike, and then my ride around town bike that I would put stuff on. And this one is, I think, going to split the difference pretty well, which is really reflective of how I'm riding now as well. I'm not riding the same way I was when I moved to Portland 10 years ago. So. Yeah, that's actually something else that Matthew and I were talking a little bit about this week. And I was talking about with some folks just on Twitter, when you get, when you're getting a bike, like whether it's a, somebody you've been riding for a while and you want to get accessories for your new bike, or whether you're just getting back into biking as an adult, like doing the thing for a little while and then figuring out what you want to get. Like Matthew and I were talking about this in the context of like, accessories for his bike, like maybe doing this one trip. Like my take was basically after you do your overnight trip, you're going to know a lot more about what you want and don't want on your bike. 
right? So if you go in and you buy all this stuff right away, then maybe once you ride it a little bit, you're going to find, oh no, I actually wish I had gotten, I don't know. I don't know what other accessory examples there are, but not necessarily fully tricking it out completely right from the start, believing some, you know, options available, right? Like bike commute for a little while before you get, like, if you haven't bike commuted right away, you don't, you can wear a backpack for a little while. You don't necessarily have to go and get all the panniers and all the stuff or whatever. I guess, Matthew, you probably knew most of the components you wanted to put on your bike when you were building it up. But to me, that's also been a benefit of building it up is that you can put maybe inexpensive things on or, you know, handlebars that you're not really sure about, but they can be really inexpensive. And then you can swap them out for something like better or that you're looking for. I don't know if that's how you feel about like why you chose to go that route. I'm kind of curious. Yeah, I think uh, I sort of have a different approach for different parts of the bike. I really, I really like the SRAM mechanical shifters for road bikes. And so I just know that like, if I'm going to do a build with drop bars, it's probably going to be SRAM mechanical and like, you know, you'll pry the mechanical shifters out of my cold dead hands, no matter. It's like, I feel the we're in the, like, I think I read this somewhere. We're in the like Bob Dylan moment with the big bike manufacturers all going electric people. Like, I don't know if I like it. And other people are like, yeah, like electric is the future. Why not both? Why not both? Definitely both. I mean, I just, my friend Richard said, I don't like the idea that the EMP blast will disable my bike when I need it most. And I'm like, yeah, totally. So, so there, there are choices like that. Like I use the same handlebars on like all of the bikes I've built over the last 10 years, just because I like the geometry of those handlebars. And I might change the width and I'm, you know, the, the manufacturer has a couple of different, like they have like a pro level that's carbon or they have the like aluminum alloy that's inexpensive. And so it's like, okay, like I can, I can make different choices without actually changing the cockpit that I've adapted to. And then some things are kind of more experimental. I really like building and truing wheels. So this was an opportunity for me to uh, put together some wheels that had disc brakes. And that was more around like, okay, like, what am I going to be doing with this bike? What kinds of loads is it going to handle? And sort of like, who are the manufacturers that I can rely on for the tubeless technology is, is pretty well along. Disc brake technology is pretty well along, but because they were things that were new to me, I wanted to go with more kitchen table names. So stuff like that. Uh, sometimes it's as simple as I like this color and I trust this manufacturer. And sometimes it's like, you know what? I have no idea what I got a suspension seat post and I have, I have no idea what it's going to be like, whether I'm going to like it or not, but sometimes you just got to try something. And at some point in the future assess, did, did I like it? Is it different? Can I tell? Uh, and I don't know. Yeah, I think the analysis paralysis can be real though. Joan was trying to advise me to not over-purchase back bikepacking equipment, which, you know, it was a nice try. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, I tried, I tried. Yeah, you tried. <laughs> but, but I think sometimes there's something to be said with trying multiple of the same thing too. Like I don't really have, I haven't had the opportunity to try a lot of bikes with really different frame geometries. 
you know, I couldn't tell you the difference from a ride experience perspective of like a European style cyclocross bike versus like an American style cyclocross bike. And like numerically, yeah, they're, they're different. You know, the, I understand that the, like the European style is going to have a higher bottom bracket. The American style often has a lower bottom bracket. That's going to affect the trail and, and tube angles. So, but actually experiencing it and being able to say like, ah, I prefer this over that can be hard. So I, I definitely think it's great to just like get on a bike, start riding, ride the bike you have, right? And go to shops and try different bikes out. There's a lot of great YouTube videos where people are talking about, oh yeah, like I like this bike for this reason and this bike for this other reason. So it's also fun. Yeah, it's interesting what you were saying about um, about your drop bars and having the same, because I think at a couple points I have tried to convince you to try a bike with a more upright <laughs> riding style and you were just like, but I like riding this and I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like I have more positions, you know, I can, I can be more upright and put my hands on the flats or I can... I spend probably most of my times with my hands on the shifters. If I want to get real arrow, I can put my hands in the drops. And so I feel like that, that offers me a little bit more versatility, which is not to say that I won't ever have a bike with straight handlebars. It'll probably just be like a trick BMX or fixie or something super cool that I don't deserve yet. Cause I'm not that cool. Well, I think this is the kind of the awesome thing about bikes too, is that we can all ride what we like. But I mean, because even as I have slowly over time gone, now I don't have a drop bar bike, but all my bikes are actually relatively aggressive frames. Like I, they're not uprights and though they are more upright than what I'd been riding before, but I, I am more comfortable that way. I just, I, I don't know. I, and I don't know why, but I am, I, well, I feel like I have more power. I also feel like I can shifting myself around my body weight around in ways that that make sense for me um and maybe I do ride I don't I don't want to like diss another riding style right but I do feel like maybe I ride more like I ride more aggressively than maybe folks on a more upright bike my e-bike is definitely more upright but it's not a super upright bike it's not a city it's not like your your bike doing it's it's still a boardier fit. And again, I just, that works for me. I mean, we're big believers here at the Sprocket podcast, which I will, I'll say we, <laughs> I mean, all bikes are good bikes and how people want to ride is great. And if somebody wants to be, I think the thing that I want to stay away from is right. Like I like, this doesn't mean this is a better way of riding. Right. And that's fine. Like if we know how we like to ride a bike, that's, that's great. And if that feels good and you know, we can think about why that is. I mean, I think I feel a little weird riding so upright, like it almost feels right. So then I'm trying to, because I got into, I mean, I had a little mountain bike that I used for commuting when I was an undergrad in college, but the way that I really got into uh, riding more was road bikes in Western North Carolina with some of my friends who were watching the Tour de France, who were you know, hardcore athletes who were just going on these hammer rides. And then, and then all the rest of us were also, you know, at the back, <laughs> like, or, you know, and, um, and so it was very much a, like, 
you know, I mean, I don't think people were super snobby about it, but like, and I don't think like we called them kits at that point because people weren't so much on teams, but like you were wearing spandex, you were wearing jerseys, you were wearing very, you know, we were all clipped in and riding, right? Like it was a definite like road roadie aesthetic and, and that way of riding and in, in the drops and lighter bikes and all that kind of stuff. And so to go from that to, you know, going very fast, much faster on this e-bike, but sitting in this very sort of jaunty upright way is so different. It feels, it feels really different and it's, it's fun. It's funny, but it, it still feels a little strange to be that, that upright, but I'm adjusting quickly. I wanted to ask you all a question. So back when I used to do a lot of whitewater kayaking, when somebody got a new kayak, I had this uh, mischievous friend, Jack, who would come over and he's gonna, he'd be like, I'm going to help you out. And he'd pick up a little piece of gravel or rock and he'd put a little scratch in it. He'd be like, we got that out of the way. Right. Cause I mean, you're taking these kayaks in the river. They're going to, you're dragging them into the put in and the takeout, right? Like these boats are getting scratched up, even though they're on the water, right? Like people are moving off of rocks and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but let's talk about the, uh, the, you know, yeah, Matthew, you're nodding. I see it. Right. Like you're thinking about like when, and when, you know, when are we, especially for like adventure bikes or for me with this bike that I intend to, that I am riding around town over, you know, bike lanes with, um, gravel and all sorts of glass and things in it. I mean, these bikes are going to get a little scratched up, but you know, how do we, how do we uh, work through our feelings about our, our precious, beautiful new bikes getting dinged? One of the beauties of being a very amateur bike mechanic who occasionally builds bikes is that you make a lot of mistakes while you're building the bike. And so before even riding it, I had a couple of opportunities to breathe deeply and accept the inevitable consequences of life in this world, which is, you know, there's joy and pain. And so as soon as I had my handlebars installed, I had yet to put the end caps in. And at, at some point the handlebars turned and scraped the top tube of the frame. And uh, yeah, uh, thankfully Soma sells you little tiny bottles of, of patch kit, but I'm not gonna patch this one. I feel like it's uh, a, a nice reminder is it like nail polish, essentially like clear nail polish is essentially what it is. Right. Well, so there's a clear coat over the color. Um, and this broke through both of them. So Soma will actually sell you a little bottle of paint, uh, that is color matched to your frame, which is nice. That's that is interesting. And I bet they started doing that cause they were like, stop asking us for this. We will yeah. just get, you know, for like sure. here it is. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's good. So you've taken a moment to sort of use it as a opportunity to reflect Bro, on yeah. impermanence and, and growth and right. yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then this was my first time mounting tubeless ready tires and I marred the heck out of the stickers on my rims. You know, everything, everything is fine, but those stickers took a beating. So they're not looking now. It just reads DT Wiss on, on one of the wheels. Well, I uh, had to put a rack on mine, and I know that there is some paint that got 
take off, but you can't see it right now because the rack's on. So, you know, so we're all good. And, but that, that had to happen. I mean, it was just, it's, it's the way it was. I didn't, it, yeah, I would try hard not to, but I could tell there was, there was some, some paint coming off, but it's steel. So I can, I can go, I can paint it. It'll be if, if needed. Auto parts stores, you can also get little samples of paint to paint your bike frame with. Yeah, there's this thing in library science, you know, as a librarian, there, the five laws of library science. And I didn't actually study this in school, but one of the, the first one, the first one is books are for use. So I was just thinking bikes are for use. <laughs> bikes are for use. We don't have bikes so that um, we can, I mean, we want, you know, I'm looking at my bike and it is pretty, but I don't want it to sit in my basement. It's not doing me any good sitting in the house, not being ridden. So so part of that is uh, is accepting the I also, and scratches. I also took the rear fender off my bike and it's still raining. So, you know, it's super dirty right now too. Well, okay. It didn't rain that hard, but it was raining. It and did I was rain. Riding. Yeah. And right. And you didn't like run and hide inside and cover it up. And <laughs> I wrote it because that's what it's supposed to do. That's what it's supposed to do. Yep. Well, I want to thank you both for joining me, especially because we pulled this together at the last minute to have a little new bike day celebration. Do you all want to stick around while I run through the credits or do you want to log off now or sure? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I will read through them and thanks very much to Carrie and Matthew for joining us today. The Sprocket Podcast is produced in Portland, Oregon. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and tell your friends about us. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text to 503-847-9774. Twitter and Instagram at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music, Hurtbird for our headline sounder, Marcus Norman for graphic design and thanks to the generous support of our Patreon supporters and listeners. Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney, Glenn Kubish, Eric Weiss, Cameron Lean, Doug Cohen-Miller, Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Cooley, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Anna, Richard G., Campsite, Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Regrainery, Jeremy Kitchen, Mr. T, Harry Hugel, E.J. Finnerin, Brad Hipwell, Keith Hutchison, Ryan Tam, Jason Oftenberg, Andre Johnson, Gregory Braithwaite, Dennis O'Brien, Sean Baird, Dude Luna, Emma Rooks, Lillian Karabayek, Spartan Dale, Philip M, Bike Initiative Kiwana, Adam D, Go Dig a Hole, Beth Hammond, Greg Murphy, Guthrie Straw, Myra Martinez, Oso, Byron Patterson, Mac Nurse David, Kirsten Graham, Aaron G, Rachel Moline, Jonathan Lee, Hami Romani, and Alan Kessler, and our newest sponsor, Andrew McGregor. And I also want to throw a big thanks, especially today, to our ex-executive producer, Brock, who has been super supportive and helpful. I mean, he always is. Folks who know Brock know uh, how lovely and wonderful he is, but he's been, he's continued to be such a big supporter and cheerleader of what we're doing here. So thanks to Brock and um, to all our former supporters who helped us along the way. Now brush your teeth and go to bed. And that's the end.